Here we go. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Design Recharge. I'm your host, Diane Gibbs, and I am joined by my brother from another mother that my mom doesn't remember having, but we're very similar in a lot of ways, Victor Davia. And we were on a panel, and that's how we got to meet. He's an educator. I wish I could draw like Victor does, but he's got such um, a great attitude and his the way he illustrates is just fabulous, but he has a really varied style. Um, and I tried to post a bunch of images on Instagram. So if you're following and you're listening on iTunes, you can go back to the design recharge uh, below. I don't know which uh, the Instagram, whatever. What do you call that? The path, maybe the uh, the feed, the thread. The feed, feed, oh, yeah, yeah feed. feed. Um, and see, kind of. So I'm trying something different, trying to post more. So hopefully people notice and. Hopefully it helps. So without further ado, uh, Victor, give us a little bit of your background and how you got into uh, design and illustration, maybe when you realized you first loved it. All right, so early on, I mean, way background is I was born in Puerto Rico, but I've lived in Orlando my whole life. I am married, I have two kids, I have a boy and a girl. And like I said, my wife is watching now, so hi, baby. Um, and um, if you see me waving my hands and you see that I have my fingernails painted, that is because I have a seven-year-old daughter, so that's what that's all about. Um, so I was initially, I've always liked to draw. I've always liked to, to, I've always been attracted to the visual storytelling part of things. And um, when I was younger, I wanted to be a comic book illustrator or an animator. That was Like how I, young? When I was in kindergarten, I already I was already introduced like really young. I had no no qualms about what I wanted to be. I knew that was going to be my path. It was like in the creative field somehow. And my parents were always like super supportive. So once they realized like I could draw or they saw that there was a spark of something like that, they were always super supportive buying me the tools or enrolling me in, in local classes and, and taking me anywhere I needed to go to, to feed that support. So I was lucky that way, but I wanted to be an animator and um, or an illustrator, comic book illustrator. Like a super, I wanted to draw Superman, really, when I came out to. Um, I wanted to be one of Disney's. And I, don't, I wanted to be Chuck Jones, really, um, in some ways. So there you go. Um, so and then so then when did design come in? Design came early, like maybe late teens. I started working at Publix. I used to work at Publix drawing their signs. Um, so I would draw, like for instance, if it was a Campbell's soup was on sale that day. I would draw like those Campbell soup kids and then I would have the, um, the, 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 the prices on the side. So that's really what developed my love for like lettering because I would have these big thick magnum markers and I would have to draw. So that was my first foray into, um, into design. And then I kind of fell through it, fell to it through um, in, in the class. If I was, if I'm being totally honest, my grades at the time weren't good enough to get into the animation program. So I kind of fell into the design program, which really helped out tremendously because in the design de department here at UCF was where I was exposed to illustrators and animators and designers. So it was everything I wanted to in one place. So that's how I kind of got into it in, in like a back end, starting from Publix and working my way, my way up. So that's pretty cool. So different. And it was like plan B was design and now it's plan A, you know, plan A all the way. Yeah, <laughs> I definitely have a love for design. And like I said, it kind of allows me to do everything that I was like, that I really love to do anyway, because I'm able to, it has taken me to do animation. It has taken me to do illustration and kind of bring them all together under the umbrella of design. Well, and there's so much that's in design that helps with illustration that I think that it just is going to be a benefit. And did you know Catherine used to draw for Trader Joe's? So another way you two yeah. are connected. I, I think that <laughs> came up last time when we saw each other in Georgia. <laughs> All right. So let's move on to the next, next question now. So I think it was Brian White, but it might not have been Brian White, but I'm going to say it was Brian White. If it wasn't, uh -huh. it, somebody else can put it over. But I thought this was such a good question that I'm going to start asking this to everybody, okay. which it is. Um, what would you tell your younger self uh, to do differently if you could go back in time? And then what time period? Would you tell the kindergarten self or would you tell the fifth grade self or the 18-year-old or whatever? I think I could travel back to any of those moments and tell myself the exact same thing is to like, you know, well, I would tell myself to get to work and, um, <laughs> and work, 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 really. But I would also, I think one of the things I've learned as I've gotten older and being more involved with the community is that 
everybody, no matter how old you are or where you are in the in the industry, you're always kind of like a fan of somebody else. You're always kind of fanboy mm -hmm. or fangirl with somebody else. And I've learned that everybody, because of that, is super generous with their time and their their knowledge. So I would say to my younger selves, don't be afraid to to go out and just like contact contact whoever it is that was inspiring me at the time and just ask them the questions because I was I always felt there was this kind of wall. It's like, oh no, they're doing amazing things. They'll never want to talk to me. And I always thought there was there would be a um, if I could go back, I'd be like, you know, just just drive to California and go meet young John Lasseter or whatever it is, or who, you know, go knock on Milton Glaser's door and I'm sure he'll, which people have done. And he's been a, you know, like very generous with his time from my understanding. So. Okay. Well, you're good. a little bit more fearless, I guess. Okay. Um, what was something that you learned early on that really, and so one of the reasons I, you know, I'm kind of asking this, for me because I don't feel like an illustrator but I want to be an illustrator really bad so I'm just trying you know so I'm trying to pick up some just a lot of this is for people who feel like me maybe who aren't illustrators or people like Doc who's a great illustrator as well maybe just having some insight so um, what was something that you learned early on that really impacted the way you illustrate today that I learned early on I don't know like, was it uh, like how shading, or maybe it was like how to look at something flat or, you know what I mean? Like sometimes it's like a light bulb goes off and it just makes sense. Right. When I was, well, still to this day, one of the things I've always done is I've been a student of history. And one of the things I've always, I love, I'm, I'm like a, a Disney geek in a lot of ways, like the Disney creative side of the, uh, of the industry. And I would like, just read book after book about the early Disney drawings, like the Ub Iwerks drawings, you know, where, where um, he drew the early Mickey. He was one of the, he's really the guy that designed Mickey. And I think I, one of the things I, I noticed early on is how a lot of that stuff is just like simple, basic shapes that you put together to create character. And I think going back to your comment about illustration, I think illustration has a lot of different facets. You got everybody from like the very painterly Norman Rockwells, or you have somebody like, that's straight up like uh, like a flatter Charles Schultz, you know, Snoopy and Peanuts. So there's a different kind of illustration, but I think just like anything else, if you practice and practice anything long enough, you'll you'll get the hang of it. You'll get to do it. And with cartooning, which is probably like a subset of illustration, I think you develop a language of your own. You can start breaking certain rules because the story goes with like that comic strip. I don't know if it's still around, but Kathy, remember the comic strip mm -hmm. Kathy? Um, she had a very simple style, and I, I think the story goes, forgive me if I'm wrong on this, but she didn't think she could draw. And her mom's the one that submitted those her drawings to the syndicate, and the rest is history. So sometimes it takes somebody from, you know, outside, somebody, one of your supporters to push you in a certain way, which I've always had with my family or my wife, my friends. But um, I think at the when it comes down to it, I think a lot of times um, we don't give ourselves enough credits as to what we're able to do, and it's just a matter of trying hard. And working right. hard. All right. So, answer your question, but there it goes. No, I think so. Um, so, what? How would you characterize your style? Because I think you have a lot of different right. things that you do. And do you think that that's an advantage for you? Um, just getting more work. So, my my teacher, he's my boss now. Chuck Abraham used to tell me all the time that when I work in a market to, as an illustrator in Florida. It's not like working in New York where you can kind of specialize in one, one industry. If you work outside, you have to kind of learn to draw everything and, and kind of be adaptable to styles. So I think that's where I kind of came with from that thinking is exactly like sometimes somebody's going to need me to draw this way. Sometimes, sometimes it's going to need me to draw that way. So I've tried to adapt that way. I think people have characterized my style as creepy cute, um, <laughs> which, um, yeah. So, which is always kind of like this, um, I don't know, like these, these cute, big-headed, Mary Blair-inspired kids with kind of like a weird look on their face, like they're up to something. And um, so, Lenny, yeah. Lenny said, no, Victor, that's what they say about you, not your oh. work. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Lenny. <laughs> so, so, I actually don't think of anything I've seen of yours that's creepy. Maybe creep is not the right word, but it's just kind of like a subversive kind of look on a character's face. Like, I don't know, like just a, like the eyebrows or the, 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 just the look on their face, just people think it's just a little odd sometimes. 
And I've been told when I've had some certain clients that it was like, ah, oh, maybe make it a little less, you know, like dark or whatever. I don't know, but it's just like if you consider like these big-headed characters that are supposedly cute, but they just have like this little creepy quality to it. I don't know. Maybe it's just. <laughs> so do you know what Mitch is talking about, the baby sticker? Oh, Mitch is talking about the baby sticker. So I have some, yeah, so. Is that a creepy cute? Maybe. I think I have it on one of my sketchbooks here. Forgive me for. Uh... So, so yeah, so like this baby sticker here, which oh. is, <laughs> um, it's. On the surface, it's like a cute baby, but um, when I drew it out, it used to have teeth, but I noticed it kind of looked like a mask. So I put some eyes in it. So it's essentially like somebody inside the baby coming out, or something, which could be creepy. <laughs> um, and then it also has multiple faces in it. Like there's a face in the diaper and the, and the little baby right. or whatever. And then like upside down, there's like this other face. If you look, it looks like the Hamburglar. Yeah. So it's that kind of stuff that isn't quite... Um, you know, that just kind of comes out, just kind of like a little bit, a little bit creepy sometimes. <laughs> I think that's all good. So um, do you always start on paper? Because some of the images that I was looking through for on your Instagram feed, definitely you're putting a lot in the computer. I don't know if you're putting everything in the computer, but some things it looks like maybe you're starting in the computer. Are you always starting on paper? Not always. You know, for the most part, my illustrations take two ways. I, I will finish something up in Illustrator just with like vector brushes, or I will pen something out, ink it in on paper, and then scan it in color in Photoshop or somewhere in between. Um, I don't always start on, on paper. I, I probably should because of time constraints. Maybe sometimes I don't, but I always think that when I don't start on paper, at least in some way, the, the character comes out a little bit stiffer than than if I were to sketch it out. So sometimes, maybe paper isn't the right term, I sometimes sketch with the blob tool in Illustrator straight out, but I try to have like an underlying sketch because otherwise I think there's a stiffness um, in the character that I, that I otherwise try to avoid. Um, so, so best case scenario, I do start on paper. Okay, or starting sketching with shapes, yeah. looser yeah. in another layer, and then you go in with the blob tool. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay, um, so do you start, what, if you're starting on paper, what kind of tools do you use? Are you a big pen, or are you pencil, or are you? So, this is my, my bag of markers, right? Mm -hmm. So I carry it around everywhere I go, and I might have fallen, like, it might have, like, gotten all strewn in there, in the bag. But I carry around a lot of, um, like, these Prismacolors is what I color in my sketchbook with, which I can show you in a little bit. I, um, I also have these color erase pencils, um, which are, I buy them in three kinds. I buy them crimson red, I buy uh, an indigo, and I buy a, um, like a, a burgundy as well. I forgot the, 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 the red, um, the name of that one. But what it is, it's a, um, let's see if I can find one here. It's, um, this is one that's been kind of used up, but what it is, it's just like a, prism, a carmine red, is it? This is the one that's been kind of used up and I buy it at our, our local um, store. And what it is, it allows me to kind of like, I don't know, it, it, the wax, it's, it's so waxy on, sort of on, um, on certain paper that it allows the, 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 the wax, the, the pencil to kind of glide across the, the page. And it allows for like really loose illustrations. And it's also like a trick that when I, again, when I was going back to watching those Disney animators, I always thought that they used color pencils to draw, so I started doing it. But I use those three colors. I use the uh, carmine red, the uh, Tuscan red, and then the indigo blue. Now, uh, when you scan things in, do they kind of not, uh, you can knock them out pretty easily in different channels? Yeah, especially if it's, in the, if it's one of the blue ones, I just kind of like knock it out in a different layer. Um, and uh, sometimes I print it as a light blue regardless of what the original color is going into Photoshop. And that allows me to use it as a non-repo blue, just kind of ink over it. And then if I have to scan it back in, it'll just erase altogether. So Doc asked, what ink do you use to hold up to coloring with Prismacolor markers? All right, Doc. So I guess I should- be at Creative South this year too. Oh, really? Awesome. Yep. Look forward to meeting you. So um, I should backtrack a little bit that I, I'm an avid sketcher in a lot of ways. And one of the sketches I have, I either have, um, I have some, a few of these, like these books that I bind myself and I, um, hold I it think, higher. 
I fill up with like these pages of like um, Arches covers or Reeves BFKs or whatever. And, um, and then these, these are the books that I'll probably do like the, the red and blue uh, color erased pencils with. Okay. Those look awesome. Oh, thank you. Um, and then I also use like opaque watercolor and gouache or whatever to, and sometimes acrylics to, to go in the books. Now, when so, I use mostly the, uh, the Prismacolor markers to answer Doc's question is the UCF, the University of Central Florida bookstore, by the way, I'm going to represent here the UCF, the University of Central Florida bookstore um, has these, these um, composition sketchbooks here that are blank on the inside. So they don't have the lines. They're just totally blank. And what I do, this, these are pretty, um, they're only like two bucks, two, maybe two fifty on the bookstore. And um, it allows me, it has like this, this really cheap paper. And what it does, you can see the paper is very thin and it kind of goes through it. But what it does, it sucks in the Prismacolors so that the, the colors stay like really, really like bright. And, um, and it takes the ink very well. So I have several of these. So to answer uh, Doc's original question is, I carry around one of these markers and it's the um, Pentel pocket brush pen. And I know a lot of artists have these. And the, the reason I like about it is that it has like, um, first of all, it's um, refillable. So you can either buy like cartridges with it or you can just like in the past, I've taken some of those um, India inks with the little uh, eyedropper and just fill it in myself. And it also has brushes as opposed to foam. Mm. So it has individual bristles. It has bristles as opposed to foam. So hold, um, it. hold it really close. Oh, there you go. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So to, to answer again Doc's question, it holds pretty well to the, um, to the uh, Prismacolor markers without any bleed or anything like that. And the page is so cheap. One thing that I, I do have to do is I have to make sure that there's some sheets of paper with, between the, uh, the sleeves so that the ink doesn't go through. But otherwise, there's no bleed or anything like that um, on the pages. And what I do is I kind of I put whatever silly idea pops into my, into my big head. I just put it in here. And um, yeah. So then, so, okay, so if you're trying, you just will draw, just starting out, you just kind of create shapes, start with lines, and then you find faces, or do you always kind of start, hey, I'm going to draw pink elephants flying? No, it's, not, it's whatever strikes my fancy at that particular time. So it's usually, like in this, there's no sketching. It's, it's just like straight up, like freehand. And um, whatever kind of like, I, I'll just draw it straight up if, if I'm thinking about like, uh, Charlie Brown, I'll try to think of like, oh, let me do this Charlie Brown in a slightly different style. Or if I'm talking about like, um, like just having some sort of idea or some sort of like um, metaphor, something pops in my head, like don't look back. Maybe that song popped on the radio. So I drew a picture around it. Um, so that kind of thing. So it's, these are pretty much like, you know, this is kind of like what I was feeling that they were, your head's kind of like disconnected from your body. So it's maybe it's that kind of like a mood type of thing. So um, I try not to spend a lot of time with, with the ideas. I just try to kind of like put it really quickly on the page. And sometimes it will, um, it will lead to something else, like feed your, feed your mind. It's like, what does that look like? It's some <laughs> guy feeding his mind, you know? It's, it's, yeah, I like that yeah. one. So uh, Lenny is um, reminding people that they can also go, you and Lenny are doing a workshop at Creative South. So, so we'll plug it a couple times. So they can go to creativesouth.com com and sign up for the workshop and the workshops right. are on thursday i can't remember april 6th something about in that ballpark yeah i think ours is like at 10 a.m or something like that okay then he says april 6th okay april 6th so creative south great place to to be able to yeah. go for the whole thing but then this is a great workshop if you're interested like me in making um and brian just shared the link so awesome yeah. and jason thanks guys all right, so, and, and Lenny says, yes, y'all are in the morning and second block. Okay, so how often are you sketching? How, like you say you carry that with you all the time. Mm -hmm. How often, really? Like how many hours of the day or minutes? It, it's hard to say. Sometimes it kind of ebbs and flows. Sometimes I, I'll, I'll forget to sketch, take the sketchbook out. But um, it's always like on a scrap sheet of paper or or there's always some sort of like, pencil on paper thing going on in my day. Um, it's just one of those things that um, 
it's, it's, it actually helps me think. It helps me concentrate. Even if I'm not like, listen, if I'm listening to somebody else and I'm sketching it for something else, it kind of helps me um, just concentrate on what's being said or, or, or something like that. So, um, but I don't know, it's hard to place like an hours per day because sometimes it's more so than others. And sometimes if I'm, you know, I, I have to remind myself that I actually have to do it. Um, but I do it quite a bit. I do so it. Yeah. Is it, is it worse to have to draw for a particular concept that a client's giving you, or do you think of that as a good challenge also? It depends on the concept. Sometimes those concepts come like really easy to you. Um, and sometimes it takes forever to, to try to come up with an idea, but they're all this, they're all similar um, kind of processes. You're always starting with a sketch and you're leading to a final piece. I mean, I, probably the ones that are on, by myself are probably less, um, less frustrating in some ways because mm. I know I kind of have my own vision of what to do. Um, but for the most part, they all have a similar process. I don't know, I, I was just telling the students today, frustration's a weird thing because um, it's, it's so prominent in like the creative fields and I was telling them this morning, it's like if you're not getting frustrated, you're probably doing something wrong because it's so like, it's such an ingrained part of the, the process for me. So I don't know, it's, it's a hard question to answer that. <laughs> so your daughter says, hello, daddy, we're listening, you rock. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just you're, always think that's handiwork. not. <laughs> that's what she does. The father, dad points right there, getting like your fingernails painted by, <laughs> by your daughter. Okay, so um, how has being able to illustrate been an advantage for you as a designer? Oh, wait, wait. Daniel had a better question first. Daniel I mean, you're going to answer my okay. question. But Daniel, and I totally think about this too. Daniel asked, very nice drawings. Does Thank seeing you. the reverse image inspire other drawings? Because as you turn the page, that's what we're seeing. And I thought the exact same thing. Does yeah. that... So sometimes it's, I mean, sometimes I get like on a tangent about certain things and, and everybody that kind of knows me knows I kind of get OCD about certain things and can't let it go. So yeah, you're right. So I started thinking about this guy like um, water falling into the head, which led to this other guy, which leads to this other guy, which kind of leads to other things. So yeah, there's, there's, there's definitely like a one leads into to another. Um, but sometimes it just get triggered by by a song or somebody makes this off color or off, off color, not off, some weird <laughs> comment about whatever. And it just kind of like makes me wonder what would that look like in real life? So it's just, yeah, it's, it's, but there's definitely like a, like a segue going from one page to the other. And Emily with two E's is watching. It's and Emily. she said, Hey, up, Anna Mac says always inspiring and supportive to all of us. All right. So, Back to my question, how has being an illustrator been an advantage to you as a designer? Well, another thing I try to tell to my students is to try to use all the tools in their toolbox as, as well as they can. So if you're an illustrator, that's something that you can introduce to the client that maybe somebody else who is an illustrator cannot, or if you're a photographer or whatnot. I think illustration has helped me obviously expand my client base. So not only do I get hired to design, but I also get hired to illustrate. But one thing that I think through the process that's really helped me a lot is um, it's helped me try to zero in on ideas quicker mm. because by being able to conceptualize, being able to illustrate something to a client, I'm better able to show them what I mean or being able to just kind of, relay my thoughts easier to to the client or to the, who, to, to the collaborator. So even if you're not an illustrator that works as an illustrator, just having that, that capability of being able to relay your messages in a quick manner, just by a quick sketch or something like that, I think it's key. But for me, illustrations has just opened up certain doors that I might have not had just focusing on, in on one part, one part of the industry. Right. Um, I definitely think it would be an advantage um, to have that skill. And I think, I think it's something that can be ta taught. I think you can learn. I think it's about practice yeah. and how, how much you practice. And I think that that's what you were saying, you know, um, it, about communicating your idea. You might not communicate it super well the very first time, but in time you will get good at communicating your idea. Just keep practicing. Right. Exactly. All right. So what about, um, 
your normal process for creating a character. Um, so you have a new series with the type heads or letter heads or um, type faces, type heads right? And, type heads type and letter faces, yeah. Right, yeah. So how did you come up with that? Where do you start? How much research do you do? Um, just can you kind of take us through where you begin? Like how did you even come up with that idea? So I think just like anything else, it started in the sketchbook. And if I'm flipping through the sketchbook here, you'll see that there's um, – here, I'll just kind of hold it this way. There's a lot of different characters and I'm big on superheroes. I'm big on big headed kids. And I'm big on just kind of like just these quirky little characters. But at some point I was drawing, for me where it started, and I'm not sure if I can find it in this particular sketchbook, but there was a picture of Batman that I had drawn. And I noticed that it's similar to that Batman there where I noticed he has this big kind of like chin and I noticed he kind of looked like a bee. And it kind of went from there. So um, you can see these are some of the C and they kind of look like. Yeah, this. scroll back. Go backwards and look at the left-hand page. Keep right there. No, wait. This oh, yeah. yeah, turn it. Turn that page again to the right. Yep. This now way? it makes a B. See? On the left-hand yeah, yeah. page. Exactly. So just by kind of like, it, it just stood out to me and from there it just started like I started drawing these different letters so I started challenging myself because I get again I think it comes from the love of illustration but as designers we all have this love of typefaces and, and letterheads and all this stuff too so it becomes just like it's, it started like blending my two mm. different kind of like um, visual loves and um, it just started from there. So it became a challenge just to, all right, so what would an N look like? Or what would a Z look like? Or what would be a Q? Um, and it just started becoming something that I would draw. And then, then it kind of continued to, like, uh, numbers. <laughs> the buck um, teeth seven. You know, like, yeah, or the little six here has a little flock of seagulls kind of, like, uh, hair. <laughs> you know, so it became that kind of thing. So the Zs are a little bit harder. So the Z became, like, a guy with a mustache or maybe it's a dude wearing a helmet or the eight or the, so it just kind of went from there. And, you know, the cue is like a crying child or crying, oh. child, I should say with the neck and the mouth. So um, it was just kind of like a challenge for, for where we go. Now, how, where I just, one of the ways I designed characters, I mean, it, it's all different depending on the, on the uh, characters that I'm doing the project. But a big way that I do is just by kind of like zeroing in on shapes. Like the cat at the top is kind of like, um, you know, like almost like this rounded triangle or mm -hmm. this small shape. Um, and this, uh, you know, it's like these kind of like overall cylinders and kind of building from there. Um, like this shape right here could be either a bird or it could be a dog face. And, um, you know, where that goes from there. So for the most part, I start with like the heads. And I think once I get like the, the eyes, I think the eyes can speaks a lot to what that's me, by the way, this little selfie I'm trying not to like point my fingernails, but like that dude right there, that's supposed to be me with my perplexed look. Um, so it, a lot of times it starts with the shape and that's not something like I kind of developed myself. That's from like, again, studying, like reading a lot of Disney books or listening to like what the guys at Pixar like to do. Like if you look at Mr. Incredible, he's like a shape, you know, like, or the Batman animated series, Batman is like this big, big bulk of a shape so it's it's that kind of thing and then it's also trying to see exactly how far it could push it like you know i'll play with um can you see this part i'll play with personalities and and, and props like glasses and hats and and what each one introduces and you know um it becomes like the the feel of the characters like what does having uh ray-bans and a shaved head what does that mean to a character what kind of character could that be does he have like a, a sleeve too? He has a tattoo, yeah. A tattoo sleeve right there. <laughs> That's awesome. So, so yeah, thank you. So it's like all these little things and a lot of these are based on my children. Like I'll I have like a ten year old boy and a seven year old girl. So a lot of times I'll draw them in certain ways or they inspire me to draw something like like Lucas's um his eyes or his hair or or Emma's uh, smile or something like that, then I'll just kind of like draw that into these characters but you'll see a lot of times i'll just start with a shape these little square headed kids or these triangles or ovals and the, or the heart you know what does what does that heart mean or how can i draw a heart-shaped person and they're just exercises and then eventually they'll 
they'll uh, lead to something else, hopefully. Like, do you do most of those in one sitting or do you like, how many would you, how many pages are you filling up? Like how quickly? I mean, they're pretty simple. Like I, I might draw like these, the, this last page of characters where I was just messing around with like hair, hairstyles and maybe putting like letters and hairstyles. I'll probably just draw like that in like maybe 15 minutes and then go back with the uh, colors and just drop it in. And it's sometimes like whatever colors I have like handy at the time, like within my reach. Um, so, it's, so it also seems like you've been really good and throughout your whole life, even as a little, little kid, been able to kind of analyze and look at other drawings and see how it is kind of broken down and then play like very quickly execute pieces, right? Yeah. And I think maybe a step back to look at some of my, my, um, my inspirations when I was a really young kid, I, it was the nine old men, you know, the Disney's nine old men, it was Ub Iwerks, right? Which I already mentioned, but it was also like Termite Terrace with like Chuck Jones and Tex Avery and um, Frizz Freeling and all those guys, McKinson. So it's, it's one of those things that I learned, I, I grew up watching Warner Brothers cartoons and I grew up reading um, Mad Magazine. I can actually go back and kind of in some ways pinpoint where I learned how to draw certain things. Like I learned to draw hands by looking at Mort Drucker's Mad Magazine caricatures, or I learned how to draw the creases in pants by looking at um, Hank Ketchum's Dennis the Menace, or, you know, things like that. Like, or it's just a certain expression that maybe a Chuck Jones Bugs Bunny might have, uh, you know, that kind of thing. So it's it, early on, I was just kind of attuned to that. And, and um, I would but, probably say that a lot of guys in my generation probably probably influenced by similar things. But even like in yours, in your sketchbook, you will draw your same character and just switch a few things, which right. is really, uh, again, it goes back to, it's just practice and then try this, try this. And that nothing's really, so how often are you going back and looking at these um, sketchbooks? I'll flip through them quite a bit, like just to remind myself where my mindset is. Um, like, like for instance, if you have, um, let me see if I can find a good example of it. Um, if you have a character and you, again, these are kind of like these weird selfies I draw of myself, but if you, once you zero, I'm not much of a caricaturist as far as like trying to get the resemblance of somebody, but just by moving the person's eyes either up or down or making them a little farther apart or a little closer together, then the whole personality will change. Mm -hmm. So it's just by kind of like practicing that. And that's why sometimes when you have a cartoon, the eyes will actually be fluid. And sometimes when they're angry, they'll get beady or when they're scared, they'll get wide because the eyes are really what expresses a lot of the personality. And then going through there and kind of like changing the shape of the heads or the bodies or, or the expressions. Um, and then allowing yourself to kind of like push and pull, like almost like a sculpture, you know, it's like you, you push and pull, um, what these these things could be. Um, Devin wants you to show angry Victor. Like a drawing or like an angry face? I, that could no, go. <laughs> I think it's a drawing. A drawing, she says. And Lydia wanted me to tell you that she's watching too. Oh, hi, Lydia. Hopefully she's not watching in class. <laughs> she's actually... <laughs> so. so Daniel had another question. How many hours of drawing... And thinking, do you estimate each of those booklets to be? Oh, these are hard questions. That requires a lot of math. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Like, like in this one, it started March 2013. I'll try to put like some of the dates on here. Um, like this one started from from February 2012 to 2013. So this is a few years old now. And then I'll stop for a while and I'll go to a different sketchbook. Like maybe for a while I'm working on my hardcover sketchbooks, um, and then um, I'll come back to these. Um, so it's a little hard to pinpoint the hours, but for these, if I were to, I would probably say not as much as these, as the hardcover ones, because right. there's not a, like for these, I'll probably go back and erase it, or I'll go back and refill it with something else. Like, um, like I'll, I'll, I'll use the pink pearl eraser to kind of like um, uh, rip some of the page, and that way it'll kind of give me a little bit more texture. 
Or I well, might... those those drawings look like they're they take a little bit more time. You have better paper. It looks like you have yeah. you know. They're, it's not just about thinking. It's about like you have an idea and you're putting it, and it's really fleshing a whole character right, exactly. out, right? So it's more kind of like I, I can't let these go. These are more almost like verging on drawings as opposed to these are just kind of like generating ideas and just kind of trying to get those out on paper. So Brian says hardbound books. The hardbound books look more like fine art. Yeah. And um, yeah, yeah, I, I could, I mean, the, the whole term fine art, I, I guess, could be um, up for debate. But yeah, it's just a little bit more, a little bit more spent time on the, the, um, the mediums are different to do. I mean, they might still have some of the, the same kind of like qualities to it as far as cartoon and things like that. But, um, you know, they're, they're, they're more kind of like the different process or the different mediums with gouache and pencil and, you know, like ink and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Wow, those are awesome. Like that spread, I really love that spread. Thank you. I usually carry these with me, so I'll probably have these at Creative South, so if anybody wants to flip through these, you're more than welcome to. Especially if they come to your workshop. Yes, I will have them there. <laughs> All right, well, let's uh, keep going. Um, I actually think your characters are pretty lovable and cute. When I'm looking at all of them, um, and they're, I think they're definitely approachable. Not so Thank creepy, you. I guess. Um, so do you ever create characters that are outside of that sort of type? And I think just by seeing the fine art stuff, mm -hmm. you, you definitely see. And I think there was something you did recently for Rollins College, I think. Um, yeah, yeah. That, that is, you know, it's just a different style. They're, they're still very approachable, but it's more of a scene and it's not just a character. You know, it's, it's a memory. It's a, it's a concept. Yeah, and I think that goes back to like if what's appropriate for the project because that particular story, and I don't know if I have it on the website, but I'm guys... I, it's I'm gonna share my screen and show okay. people what it is. It's on the uh, it's on my Instagram feed, but it's yep. it was more of a serious story where somebody was trying to come up with um, you know going through memories of 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 their life at Rollins. So for this particular case, it wasn't so much of the big headed kind of like sketchy kids wouldn't be so appropriate. Right. Um, so, but even then you can kind of still see like the, the fingerprints of like a similar style because it does still have like a thick line, kind sure. of feel, um, like very, very, um, brushstroke. Um, sure. so Kathy says that's sick as hell, Victor. Thank you, Kathy. So, uh, Jason asked, would you prefer lowbrow art? You know, it's, it's hard to pinpoint down because I, I, it's it's hard to say, you know. It's 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 like saying what's your favorite food, and you have so much so much food that you, you find is awesome. Um, but I do like a lot of what would be considered lowbrow art. I like a lot of art that is, um, even though I was never kind of like a skater or anything like that. I like art that was, um, that was inspired by like, that skate culture, like uh, the Barry McGee, that like the twist, you know, that kind of thing. Like the um, one of my one of my favorite designer artists is um, Jeff McFetridge, which I, um, those guys kind of like balance the line between highbrow and lowbrow, what we could, what could be considered lowbrow art. So yeah, I would probably say I have a good appreciation for both sides. All right. So how have you pushed yourself in creating, um, oops, I lost my mouse. How have you pushed yourself in creating different types of characters? Or can you remember back to that stage when when you were just kind of doing one style and then you really started pushing yourself on, on different styles and different types of characters. Mm -hmm. And how has that, how has pushing yourself and creating different types of characters um, in a series pushed you as an illustrator? Early on, especially when I was like in my twenties and I had a specific route that I thought I was going to be going in, I was drawing a lot of things that would be probably construed as like the, um, the uh, the Disney style with like uh, you know the the small nosed girls with the big mm -hmm. eyes and things like that, and um, I wouldn't necessarily play too much with the other kind of styles that I found really appealing. So one of the things I try to do is to force myself into certain limitations. I think designers and illustrators thrive with limitations because it's almost kind of like, all right, this is where we're, this is a sandbox that we have to stay in. What can we do with that? So I would challenge myself by giving myself, you know, similar to what I'm doing with the letters, giving myself a, a, a shape and seeing what I could find through that. 
or forcing myself to use a certain medium that I've never used before and try to see what I can come up with that. Um, and that way, that has allowed me, not only with illustration, but with all sorts of things, to push my, push my style or my, my work in different ways. Um, and this other friend of mine, um, Tom Hope, would say, um, don't let perfect get in the way of good enough. Because as designers, we always kind of like, um, I think it was Tom Hope. I'm hopefully I'm attributing the right person to that quote. But um, but as we we get into this thing where we're just trying to be overly perfect and we don't, you know, um, we just keep spinning our wheels. So one of the things I've tried to implement is having the work feel not so perfect or or letting go before I I would have earlier. Just being learning to kind of let the things go. I think that's really one of my problems. Um, is that ability. So was that ever an issue for you? Oh, or yeah. was that ever, so when, how, when was it? Was there a light bulb moment that you just were like, I'm not going to care anymore? Or do you still deal with that some? It's just not as often. No, I still deal with it. And I think a lot of us kind of deal with it. I would, I would be drawing. I remember many situations where I'd be drawing this, this, this drawing um, of a hand, let's say, as the example that sticks in my, my, my mind. Uh, hey, Hibba. Um, um, and my, I would be drawing this hand over and over and, um, I would show my wife and I'm like, all right, so what do you think of this hand? She's like, it looks great. I was like, eh, I'm not quite there. Let me play around with it a little bit more. Two hours later go by and I'm still messing with like a pinky of this hand. And I think I got it to a point and I asked her again, I was like, all right, what do you think about it now? And she's like, did you change it? This looks exactly the same to me. So it's like learning that, you know, we're our own worst critics that people we see things that people might not even care about so it's training ourselves to let go and my wife is very good about you know encouraging me to move on it's like you have to move on you have to kind of let, let it go well i think otherwise and, we'll miss our deadline yeah because making decisions is a huge part of design and being on task and on schedule and meeting deadlines and sometimes you just have to say hey this is good enough. Let's move on. If I have time, I can come back. But that's one thing I really think you do well is you come back to these drawings. Mm -hmm. You make these fast drawings and then you're going to come back later and you don't, it's just about getting the idea and it's the activity. And for me, it's such like that you create these and these are just pieces and pieces and pieces and they're very, they're similar or you're like changing yeah. just a few things. It's very much the way you are, like your personality, like you have a lot of energy. You're like, oh, I'm just going to get it out. Place. Yeah, but I like that part. Um, but do you know what I mean? Like it seems like that is like one of your superpowers because then you can come back and mm -hmm. then you can use your hardbound book and really sketch something out at where it's that calm kind of thing. But this is about decisions and making quick and not being so tied to, oh my gosh, the ear is off, you know? Yeah. And that's, and that's to me, the medium, the books, the particular books that I'm using help that a lot because I've always, one of the things like with these books or have you ever bought a hard bound sketchbook from the bookstore or whatever? And it's this pristine thing. It's like, Oh, every, every work in here has to be amazing. Leather yeah. ones. That yeah. Are like leather ones. So that's why I stopped buying those books because what I ended up having to do with those books, I had to like start drawing in the middle of the book because that first page was so intimidating. Right. So right. I would draw and kind of like work my way out. So to me, it's a mental thing. I totally recognize that. To me, it's like a crazy mental thing. But to me, it's like that's why these, these cheap books have kind of worked out because it has allowed me to just kind of like just whatever idea, I just put it on the page and, and move on to others. And then what I've, what I've found is that it has allowed me to generate these quick ideas. Like, for instance, like um, I don't know if you, it's still on my Instagram or whatever, like – it like these little ideas like of this lion where I, I thought it was like this, the nose of the lion kind of looks like an upside down snow cone or ice cream cone. <laughs> like, and then that leads into a poster that you might be able to find on my website. Yep. I have um, it. Or the same thing with this little character here with like the, uh, the rainbow coming And Again, it kind of leads from that other kind of like water in the head characters that I was talking about, but it's whatever little pun I have and see where it leads to. Like I thought about like if, if a um, giraffe has a long neck, does that mean it needs glasses? If it's nearsighted, it was like, what does that mean? It's like asking yourself those, those silly questions and then eventually they'll lead to something else, hopefully. Best case scenario. Right. 
So I think, oh, here it is. Um, let me share my screen real quick so people okay. can see. So again, so this is part of the process, right? You mm -hmm. take a illustration, maybe it was in one of the cheat books, then do you scan it in and then you start redrawing it? Do you use certain, it looks like this one is just like shapes. Yeah, um, for that one, I don't think I, because I didn't mind the stiffness on that one. For that one, I, I was looking at my drawing and I just went straight ahead into Illustrator and, um, and just did it with the shapes. And on this one was a, a study, a challenge of try to find um, new ways to work with texture. Mm. And you know, I would give myself like little like challenges like that. I was like, I, I want to do this one with the texture. I want to do this one with, with other things. So, yeah. And cyan, magenta, yellow, black? Pretty much, yeah. So do you have any um, digital tools? We talked about some of your physical tools. Did you, do you have any digital tools that you always kind of go to or brushes or, or do you just really like Illustrator and then you make your own textures? I, um, I don't necessarily make my own textures. I have in Illustrator, when I draw with Illustrator, um, I have a brush like this go-to brush that I, um, I create. And it's a very simple brush. Um, that I use to create a, a variety of line. And if you have that image, Diane, of the of the um, mad scientist, I think is one of them. Or yeah, even yeah. The, or even the Superman or Batman that is on my website. Okay. That's that's the way I drew it, because what it is, is I created this custom brush, and it's a very simple brush. Um, I created, um, essentially, um, a shape that looks like an eyeball, you know, like a generic eye with, like, points. And I created, um, I dragged that into the art brush, the brushes in Illustrator, and that was my thing. And, um, so, yeah, so the Superman that we have there um, and the Batman, that was all with like an Illustrator brush. All that's digital. All that's vector. Um, but that's pretty much like the, the extent of my unique brushes that I do. Otherwise, I'll buy, um, I'll buy some, some brushes from somewhere or um, I'll find some textures online. Um, so what about the crocodile? Oh, now, the crocodile is different there. because I'm sorry. I'm looking at the monitor. That's where I'm seeing it over here in this monitor. That's why I keep it out. Like <laughs> if you guys can, uh, the the crocodile, a lot of the crocodile poster for the rep was actually a brush pen that I scanned in and I colored it in Illustrator. I'm sorry, in Photoshop. So um, then all of it, even the door, everything you did, all that it, by hand. Yeah. So all the line work on that drawing is by hand, and then it's colored in Illustrator. I'm sorry, Photoshop. Nice. Yeah. And I've added a texture to it. But again, it's dependent what kind of feel. I think for that one, the, the direction I was given was not to make it look like the book because the yeah. book has a very distinctive style. Right. Um, so each one, like those two are illustrators and, and things like that. So between illustrator, there's well, a about, I'm sorry? What about this one? The two was, giants? Or that was, so I'm part of this group called Giant Illustrators. And a few years ago, we did a promotional booklet. And that was one of my ideas. I didn't end up using that because um, the hands would have gone right through the, uh, the, the fold of the book. Um, but it always occurred to me like the Jolly Green Giant and Paul Bunyan would be like two giants that would be mortal enemies. It just made sense to me because it's like one's made out of plant and the other one cuts down trees. So, um, <laughs> so that's, that was a pro promotional uh, piece for that particular book. But that was drawn in pen and ink and then I colored it in, in Photoshop as well. Nice. All right, so, um, all right, I, I'm trying to make sure I know what time. So we have about 10 minutes left. 10 minutes. Um, so Catherine's got to go run and teach. So you're big in AIGA, and you actually also have built this community of illustrators. So what is what role does a community play? I mean, it doesn't seem like you're just in a hole working alone. Like you really get a lot out of being with other people and being in I community. Do. I do. So I'm part of the IGA Orlando. I'm part of the Creative Mornings Orlando. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I'm part of the Orlando Museum of Art with Animac um, here to um, and the curating committee. And I'm also part of Giant Illustrators, which I founded um, almost 10 years ago now. And um, it's a group of illustrators um, that we, it's a very eclectic group and we commiserate. What I found with, <clears throat> excuse me, what I found with the community is that both like personally and and like uh, career-wise, it just took me to a trajectory that I wasn't aware of before. It just took me to a place that I was I would never have gone on by myself. It allows me to to meet people, like-minded people, um, 
who who I could bounce ideas from. They can they can give me feedback when I need for like for instance like the brush thing really quick going back to the brush. One of the arguably one of the best illustrators here in Orlando, his name is Brian Bosch, who's a really good friend of mine. He taught me how to make that brush that could, even though he doesn't remember, cause I taught him again. He's like, how do you, how do you learn that? It's like, you taught me. But <laughs> if you go to this website, um, brianbosch.com, B-O-E-S-C-H, you'll see like amazing illustrator work, amazing illustration in general, but it's that kind of community that I would never have been able to, mm. to get to where I'm at without people like that. With AIGA, um, it's 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 like this different family we have we we kind of support each other and we 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 laugh like a family we bicker like a family we argue like a family and we love like a family but it becomes like this family of people that you can just totally count on and that started off in the AIG Orlando and suddenly becomes with AIG AIGA National so suddenly i have a brother in Raleigh named Lenny Terenzi you know uh, suddenly i have you in Mobile Alabama who, which i've never would have met otherwise right uh, you know, it's, it's that kind of thing. Um, so it's, it's opened up doors that I would never have, have had open otherwise. And especially for people who are maybe working alone or doing freelance, uh, doing work. A, a lot of times we end up, I end up talking to a lot of people who are working on a freelance business, either after their 40 hour work week or they're mm -hmm. doing it, um, they're, they've gone full-time as this and it can be very lonely so sometimes those connections or those like hey can you show me this or can that that network is really important and it right. also will remind you that you're part of this bigger family this bigger team of people and it doesn't maybe feel so lonely it also seems like a lot of people who work in corporate will come to design recharge which yeah. again um, that's just one thing I definitely encourage you to be able to meet people in face-to-face -face, um, and just know that there are other people that are very similar to you and in that similar spot so that you can commiserate but also really learn from. Yeah, and then it also opens up opportunities because I have friends, I have good friends who, who whose doors were open. They met people that led to jobs. It opens up opportunities that you would never have if you worked in the vacuum. And one of the things I learned when I was first starting the giant group, we were all kind of getting together and we'd have these people these amazing illustrators and designers come in and and one of the things that they would tell me is like, yeah, we're glad we're doing this because I've been by myself mm. in front of the TV, hanging, you know, not on TV, in front of the monitor, like drawing all day in front of my drawing board with no noise other than music. I need to have some sort of that kind of like talking, that atmosphere of relate, relating to actual people. Right. So it, it becomes a very important part of the creative process because it leads to co collaboration, it leads to jobs. It leads to just growth in general. So Anna Mack says, thanks to people like Victor, other people finally see that there's enough for everyone and sharing and supporting is a good thing. Also, Larry Moore has really pushed that when I was coming up through the ranks, good yeah. people. And I agree. I do think yeah. that there is um, enough work. There will be people who will come behind and try uh, mimic, but I think in a, in a way um, it can be a, a blessing, but nobody is ever going to repeat Victor. Nobody is ever right. going to be you and do it exactly the way you, you do it. And I feel like sometimes there is that competition and you're kind of like, but I did that already. And, um, you know, you just, there has to be that point of just letting go and say, well, I'm just going to keep doing my thing because you're going to keep pushing yourself ahead. Right. And it'll be in a different direction because they can only follow if they're just following. Well, also the, the design, the creative community is one of the most generous communities that I've ever been, you know, that I've ever seen because you can say like certain industries, certain communities are cutthroat or whatever. I don't know about other ones, but how many times have you gotten a job? Anybody who's listening or watching have gotten a job from a referral from somebody else. Like, and that's, I've gotten referrals from, from giant, my giant friends or my AIGA friends and just kind of like, um, you know, I can't do this job, but I thought you'd be perfect for it. Go at it. Or, you know, this opportunity with the panel for Creative South last year with you and Mina and Catherine or, or this workshop with, um, with uh, Lenny, that kind of thing would have never been possible if I was just working in my vacuum and I never got out. Right. So, um, yes, we can do a link for Brian Bosch. Do you remember how to spell his first name? Is it B-R-Y-A-N or B-R? Brian Yan um, put the link on the chat there. Oh, 
there Apologies you go. If I mispronounce your, your last nope, name. That, that's right. He yeah. is the link master. Okay. And it will also be in the show notes for anybody listening on iTunes. It's B-R-I-A-N-B-O-E-S-C-H.com. So we have five minutes left. Sure. Um, do you think that your students influence your your yeah. work as a designer yeah. and as an illustrator? How? All right. So let me just start off by telling you something you already know. Teaching is like one of the best gigs ever. It's just an amazing gig because you ha- you're surrounded by – students that are like energetic and they want to learn for the most part right you know for the most part like there's there's like this energy in the classroom and they and they show you the stuff that they're doing and you're like you know part of you doesn't want to show them how impressed you are because you're like i still have to critique this i still have to do my job but um (laughs) but it's like one of those things like wow you just and to see them kind of grow past like graduation they become alumni and then you see like they start like conquering the world in their own sense of like your, their successes are, are my successes. And right. So, but sometimes I look at their work and I kind of look over the shoulder, even if it's something they're not doing for class and they're showing me, it's like, can I get your advice on this? And then back in my head is like, I have to up my game because mm. this student is like knocking out of the park. I have to like represent. Right. So I have to kind of, you know, and there's so many people, there's so many students that are so, doing so many amazing things. And, and it's just the yes, they absolutely inspire me, and they actually absolutely influence me from what they're doing, and I share in their in their successes. I, I just get so happy when I hear them doing something too. And I think that that's another thing about design and teaching is that we always want. It's not just two years away. We want to hear people who we taught ten years ago, or right, you know, like those. It is really a community. And there is something about being in that classroom and part of that growing environment mm-hmm. when you're really growing as a person and also growing into who you want to be. And I think that's a really interesting part of, I mean, it's not always just like about the illustrations or about the design. It becomes about the life stuff that we help them with too. Right. Right. And it's funny. They, they, they go from students, they, they, they become friends and then they become peers and, you know, every now and then they become your boss because I've had students that have come back and art directed me. They've hired me for stuff. Um, so it's it's a funny kind of like thing. But that's, again, that goes back to the design, the creative community. It's just kind of like this symbiotic kind of like thing where we're just kind of like helping each other out. Well, I'll just have to have you back on to finish the rest of it. But I want everybody to know on iTunes and on YouTube ways that you can um, get in touch with Victor and it'll be on the show notes on recharging you.com and also be underneath the video on YouTube. So check it out here. I'm going to read them to you because if you're on iTunes, it's there as well. But if you want to, um, know what it is, it's Victor V I C T O R Davila, right? Am I saying Davila. that? Okay. David. Say Davila. I say Davila. My wife says Davila. Okay. So. Well, it's close enough. Clearly, I can't say it at all. So <laughs> it's V-I-C-T-O-R-D-A-V-I-L-A.com. Mm-hmm. And then you are Vic. Vic Davila, V-I-C-T-O-R-D-A-V-I-L-A. On Dribble, Twitter, and Instagram. Right. Yeah. And all the other links, the brush pin, all that stuff is going to be on in the show notes underneath. So if you want to pick up one, um, you can have a link right to it. And, yeah. <laughs> oh, and if you so, email me, I'll, if I don't answer right away, email me again, but I'll eventually answer whatever questions anybody might have about anything. And so, and you teach at the University of Central Florida, right? University of Central Florida in beautiful Orlando, Florida. All right. So, and next week, just so you guys know, we have Adam Martin. We're kind of um, having another podcaster on. I know I've done a lot of podcasters, but there are a lot of us that are designers and podcasters. So, um, Adam actually has his own really niche podcast called Makers of Sport, and he is going to be talking about a ton of different things about having sports clients, building a community. And then similar to what we talked about it right here at the end is how much that community um, helps each other as well as um, makes opportunities that weren't there. And you can really learn in these really uh, safe communities that are maybe diving a little deeper than just kind of uh, surfacy. I remember um, one of our AIGA people came in and she had lost her job. 
-hmm. And she was kind of embarrassed to say it. And I, I was like, but that's what this is for. That's what we are for. And it ended up being a blessing. Like I think she's much in a much happier job now. And I just think that that's what this is for. And so I feel like, um, AIGA is great for that. I think the giant illustrators group, you know, sometimes it, everything can't just be this great highlight reel. And so to have a community Mm -hmm. where you can really be yourself is really important. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more in the sports industry next week with Adam Martin. So if you want to get in touch with me, if you have an idea for a show, um, a guest or a topic that you want me to cover, feel free to email me at diane at rechargingyou.com or you can always reach out to me on Instagram or Twitter at, at Design Recharge. Anyway, thank you, Victor, so much for being here today. Thank you, and Diane, for having me. And thanks for everybody that joined us. And uh, it was great to see your names again, some people that I haven't seen in years. And Emma and Lucas, hi, love you guys. Anyway, thanks so much for coming. We'll see you next week, same time. Bye.